0: Motherfuckers. Can, can you hear that? Can you hear that noise in the background? Every time, every time I try to record this bloody script, one of my neighbours turns on a power tool or decides they need to mow their lawn again or the baby cries next door. I like the baby. I like the baby. But just give it a dummy for God's sake. We've had, we've had, a, we've had a helicopter flying over. Sirens. Really, road works. The steel band practice. Aliens invading. I swear to God, I can hear a sperm whale clicking in the ocean. Just shut the fuck up for five minutes. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Here's an expert.
1: One thing I have discovered is it doesn't take long when you start talking to somebody about a particular feeling like anger. It doesn't take long before you discover that they mean something quite different from what you meant um, and what you thought that you were talking about. There's this shared language. But you dig a little bit under the surface and people mean really quite different things by those words.
0: Great. It's going to be complicated. This is Professor Thomas Dixon, by the way. He's a professor of history at Queen Mary University where he specialises in the history of emotions. I mean, literally, what is the point of that?
1: And what history can do is show um, that same difference and variation but across time and show that languages... And um, performances and expressions of feeling have changed very radically across time. And that helps just to chip away at this idea that there's something really universal um, that we all share in terms of emotions.
0: I'm feeling a bit calmer now. I I wasn't really angry anyway. It was a performance of anger, wasn't it? I I followed a a well-established script. I raised my voice use some unspeakable profanity, I adopted an aggressive posture. You, you couldn't see that, but, but you could sense it. And of course, you knew that I wasn't really angry. Because you're an intelligent person, and you know that the theme of this episode is anger. And so you immediately deduced that I was performing. But here's the thing. Maybe there's no difference between our feelings and our performance
1: of those feelings, I actually think all emotions are performances, really, um, and they're sometimes performances just to ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and but I, I do think there's something there's something fundamentally social and performative about pretty much all our emotions. Actually, um, I think that's what one of the things that makes them emotions. is the way they are. Um, yeah, they're learned they're things that we do with other people they're things we do in response to other people um, and we perform them according to rules that are shared with other people and that's why sometimes when you, you f- go across cultural boundaries you find yourself emoting entirely inappropriately and offending people by showing emotions in the wrong way because they're not universal they're learned um, they're learned performances
0: Okay, so when I uh, regrettably, and I I must apologize to them when they get back, but when I shouted. At my wife and two children just before we started to record this, because I had told them I'd made it very clear <laughs> when we were starting that I would need it to be quiet in the house. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly defending my position here, but when I when I raised my voice and I said, you know, for for God's sake, I asked you one thing, they knew, didn't they, that I was following the script yeah. of anger? They knew exactly. They knew they weren't they knew actually the in danger. They knew they knew the script. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they had, then they had a kind of range of options in the script for how they could take it. They could have escalated, um, or they could depending how things go in your house, you know, withdraw quietly, <laughs> realising that they've stepped too far. I don't,
0: I don't have far. that kind of authority. <laughs> I don't have that authority, yeah. Thomas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, we have
1: these shared scripts, and they're kind of under negotiation, but there, there's expectations around them. But those are learned expectations. They're not universal.
0: I was very flattered that in a, in a recent paper of yours uh, that you wrote about the history of anger... You referenced, uh, you referenced one of my books, The Heartland, Finding and Losing Schizophrenia. Yeah. You write in, in your paper about how in that book um, I used the term so-called schizophrenia rather than schizophrenia. and And the reason I did that in the book was to acknowledge that there's a lot of controversy around psychiatric diagnoses and that they're not as scientifically robust as many of us may have been led to believe. So, so you've stolen that idea, and, uh, and <laughs> so, so you've ta- you've taken that idea, and, and, and you've applied that to the case of anger. Now, I wouldn't have gone that far. for, for, for me, an emotion like anger s- seems to exist in a more sort of irreducible state than the diverse and complex range of thoughts and feelings and behaviors that might lead to a psychiatric diagnosis such as such as schizophrenia have, have have I gone wrong there in my thinking
1: anger as you say is is one of the most frequently listed emotions as one of the quote basic emotions i mean just as a little footnote one of the things i find quite entertaining is that Um, No one agrees about how many basic emotions there are or which ones there are. (laughs) And you'd think that if this were like a simple fact about human beings, that they have these hardwired basic emotions, that by now science would have figured out like how many there were and what they were called. But but they haven't. However, anger is pretty much always on the list. But let me say this, every list written in English. um, And that's not just a trivial point. If you look in the 18th and 19th centuries, and you can look through things like Google Books, Google Ngram viewer, at the frequency of use of English terms, um, you can see that there is um, rage, ire, resentment, revenge, uh, alongside anger, but a whole lot of different words for these angry emotions that are used in English in the 18th and 19th centuries anger gradually takes off as this disproportionately sort of overused category, which I think, you know, reflects this simplification and impoverishment of our emotional language.
0: We are living through a simplification and impoverishment of our emotional language. That's depressing, isn't it? Actually, I I shouldn't say it's depressing. Let's fight back. It is with a heavy-hearted, gloomy desolation and sorrow that I lugubriously and disconsolately acknowledge the woeful abasement of our emotional tongue. It makes me sad face. Ha 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 In one of his recent papers, Professor Thomas Dixon asserted, and I quote, we can be confident that ancient Greeks and Romans did not experience the modern emotion of anger. I'm going to say that again. We can be confident the ancient Greeks and Romans did not experience the modern emotion of anger. Naturally, I called bullshit.
1: Well, if you read these sources um, that supposedly show us classical anger, like the Iliad with the rage of Achilles or someone like the Roman Stoic Seneca writing his treatise De Era, if they're translated into English, you will be reading about so-called, quote, anger. But what I've tried to do is to really delve into what was the emotion, what was the feeling that they were having. And it's something that I think is so different from our modern anger um, that I wouldn't want to give it the same name. It's something that's very focused on kind of revenge uh, and the sort of pleasure of wreaking your revenge on your enemies. And I know we're all different, but that is not an emotion that I feel often or ever myself um, to do with sort of restoring my honour through revenge. Normally, if I'm what I think of as angry, it's because, you know, the internet connection has failed again just at the moment I was trying to upload my child's homework to Google Classroom. It's a million miles from slaughtering um, people in battle to, to to sort of avenge my, my, um, my honour.
2: I wanted revenge on those people. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you give me the sack from there? I brought so much to that place. And, and this is your treatment. So I seeked in my, through some of my criminal friends, how can we get our own back on them? So I seeked on, I, I just went in a dark place and I seeked about how, how I could get to them.
0: This is Leah. I met her through a charity theatre company called Clean Break. They support women in prisons and the criminal justice system. We'll hear more about them later. My own feelings of anger in life are much like those Thomas Dixon expressed. I get irritated when the internet goes down, and yes, I can get a bit riled when my neighbours are making noise and I'm trying to record this podcast. I'm not saying revenge definitely isn't on the cards, but more likely, I'll just have a cup of tea or something. Leah's life is different to mine, and so too is her story. It was different from childhood.
2: I was a rebel at school. I had a voice, and I used it. I didn't like injustices, I didn't like unfairness. And I found that um, I had a thing with authority. and that could be for my parents. They were strict. Um, you find in the black culture they beat the children a lot, where now they'll look at that as um, abuse, but at the time you don't think of it that as discipline. But um um
0: So yeah. you were beat you were beaten?
2: Smacked. Smacked, uh, the belt, the stick, whatever. More more my dad with the belt, but my mum whatever she could lay a hand on. Mum's always down, because Dad was at work all day, so Mum was always down at school, but I always used to pair up with the teachers. I didn't find that supportive um, figure in actually sticking up for me. And so then the school put me with an educational psychologist. Must have thought there was something wrong with me. And also then my parents uh, brought in social services, because um, I was so destructive... Um, used to sneak out of the house um, to go to parties and that. I seek emotional, um, emotional stuff, emotional that the, the hugging, the kissing, I suppose from other relationships. Men, to be specific. Um, so social services, and that was up until I left school. So my dad wanted me to go into a children's home, um, said, get her out of the house, but my mum put her foot down, not having it. And then I got my first boyfriend at 16, and that's when I was doing the sneaking out. And I knew that I would get beaten when I get back, but I'm enjoying myself, and then would sacrifice that when I get back. And I suppose I just went wild in men friends seeking relationship with men friends and I suppose seeking having that relationship with men I got into crime Um and I I just fell into it because the guy that I was with was more of a hustler and then I remember he gave me the story where there was a fight a big fight and police got involved and went after the black people and didn't chase after the white people. And from that, he's for F the system and went against the system and just worked on the street.
0: Worked the streets how? Sorry, what, what kind of criminal activity?
2: Stolen goods, um, um, drugs, um, um, cars. How did you feel about
0: that? I mean, you liked him, I guess. How did you feel about that as you were sort of getting involved in that?
2: I didn't have no feelings about it because I I loved him. Um, I just saw it that that's his work, that's his job, that's what he does. And I didn't feel afraid of it. I felt protected. Um, I felt like the queen um, in, in how I was treated from him and by his friends. I'm more lavished in it. Enjoyed it, I suppose. Enjoyed it? yeah. Enjoyed it because of the, 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 the protection of men around me.
0: Jump ahead a few years, and Leah is still part of that world, but she's also trying to get ahead in life. She did an access course, and as a mature student, started a degree in law. That was, somewhat ironically, interrupted with her first spell in prison for a drug offence. But after a lot of paperwork, she was able to complete that degree. She never became a lawyer but she got a job with a team offering telephone legal
2: support to
0: prisoners. Only things weren't going so well.
2: I was bullied. I didn't see it at at that time. I loved the job. I loved what I was doing in there. Um, I put my all into there and but I had one particular woman who just was just saw me as a target and nailed on me. Can you
0: describe one of the times that she made you feel bullied?
2: so it wasn't just um off and on now and again it was every day that I would be working there'd be something and and emails that'd be going to the manager on and and, and she'd be CC me in oh um. I didn't like how Leah spoke on the phone with um, with one of the clients. Um, and I feel that she should be talked to in how to be talking to clients on the phone. <laughs> uh, and so it, 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 it was constant. It wasn't, there wasn't a breathing space from it that I made up excuses of not going into work. Because I just found it a bit toxic. A bit too much
0: so what happened next
2: so i was sad because i went and saw one of their clients in prison
0: was that a bit of a no-no then was it supposed to be yeah. you were only meant to do these things on the on the phone or yeah yeah so, so why did you go to see them
2: why did i go to see them I suppose I had built up relationships because um, it was mostly men prisons. I had built relationships with these uh, men that would ring in. Um, I think because I went in as a legal visitor, because you get uh, slightly more privileges. You're not um, in a big um, visiting room. You're on a one to one. So I think that was the crux of why. Um, they sat, so yes, on that point, um um yeah, I agree with, I agree with them having done that. Sure, Absolutely. and
0: you weren't, you weren't about to, like, you weren't going to win some industrial tribunal if you went to them and, and claimed that, you know, it was, un, it was unreasonable. It yeah. seems like, yeah, you know, they, they, they had sort of legitimate grounds to let you go. Mm. Um, but, the, but but I'm still interested, of course, in your in your feelings. And, and I mean, how did you feel when they let you go?
2: I couldn't effing well believe it. The audacity the of them. So... I held on to that. And I think all that negativity and anger mixed together, I... It, it was comforting to me. You found a comfort in the ang- in the anger. Always. I did. I did. I did. I, I, yeah, I did.
0: So Leah was angry. Perhaps she had good reason to be angry. But now that anger was about to spill over into something else. A breed of anger not dissimilar, in fact to the ancient kind that Thomas Dixon talked about, to Aristotle's definition of anger, a desire accompanied by pain to take apparent revenge for apparent insult.
2: Um, yeah, I, I became that victim and I was at the bottom of the hierarchy. And so I just thought, F you lot. <laughs> I stuck my fingers up, stepped over the boundaries, and I suppose coming from or, or being with crime people, I looked at um, the naughty way of getting out. I wanted revenge. That job, because I loved it so much, and that was the longest job I had been in, I wanted revenge on those people. How dare you? How dare you give me the sack from there? I brought so much to that place, and and this is your treatment. So I seeked in my through some of my criminal friends, how can we get our own back on them? So I seeked on... I I just went in a dark place and I seeked about how... ..how I could get to them. I wouldn't say... uh, ..I wouldn't say kill, in, in a sense, just to scare them, rough them up a bit. I I plotted on certain people because I was still in the. Um, I wouldn't say I was still in the criminal world, but I I still had friends that I could go to, and tell them my story and see what they make of it and see how they can help me out. How did
0: you plot? What 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 was this plot?
2: Well, when I say plot, you make it sound like. <laughs> a TV program that you're plotting to bomb up a place or something like that. Um, it wasn't as drastic as that. So plot maybe is a too stronger, a, a stronger word. Um, well, it was your word. It was my word. Okay. Well, then I'll take that out. <laughs> uh, plot. Yeah. Pl- plot. I. I would. Yeah. It does sound too strong a word in the in the way. In the way that you're breaking it down, it just sounds too strong. They need to see pictures of the people that you want to get your own back on. So I had photographs. And then they were talking about money that needs to be paid for things to be done. See so if you can find out their addresses. What kind of salaries are they on? So they know what valuable things they may have. That kind okay. of thing
0: and did you have did you have those photos? Were you able to find out their addresses
2: Yes, yes, but that yes. is that, that
0: i mean plot isn't too strong a word is it that's i mean that's that, that's I, I feel like if there was going to be a definition of a a plot that is a plot isn 't it? If you decide that you want to as you as, as i think you said um you, you know you weren 't planning to murder these people but you did want to hurt them and to have them sort of roughed up a bit to use your to use your phrase um and then you were talking to the kind of people who would do that and you were giving them the information they needed in order to do that including what they looked like where they lived um and other information about you know how much money they might have that that's a plot isn't it
2: Okay, we put it as those words. It just seems um, when I hear a plot, I think it is like a a a a big massive robbery or a big bombing up or that kind of thing. Um, well, well, here's an intre- here's an interesting thing. So,
0: to give you a bit of um, a bit of background on the episode, I spoke to an academic who studies the history of anger, um, and he made the 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 point to me. Uh, which you're, you're here in the in in the podcast. If we can pull, if we can pull all of this together in like the olden days, you know, sort of ancient ancient Greece is a is sort of an example he he talked about. He said that anger looked very different back then, um, and when people talked about anger back then, they were often speaking about things that we wouldn't recognise so much today. And an example that he gave was people who wanted to avenge. Their honor, who felt that they'd been you know their honor had somehow been uh injured or disgraced by others, and so they set about seeking uh revenge for that and and, and he said to me um, so that 's not my idea of anger for me; I get angry when the internet goes down, and i can 't submit the children 's schoolwork um, and, and so I thought that was very interesting, sort of sitting next to your." story where i thought, well maybe that was just us speaking of our privilege because for me yeah i mostly only get angry you know with the neighbors are making a noise and i'm trying to record this podcast but you were feeling a whole different kind of anger for a whole different set of reasons I wasn't beaten as a child, I didn't face racism growing up, I didn't end up falling into this sort of uh, criminal world and getting into the places that you've gone to. So I think your experience is different to mine. And I think that what you're describing is a bit more akin to somebody wanting to avenge their honour. You felt you were doing this job well. Uh, you felt you were. I don't know. I wasn't there. But you felt you were doing it well. You felt that you were treated very badly by these people. And, and then you wanted to avenge that in some way. Is that a fair reading of That's what you're saying? That's interesting.
2: Very interesting. Like, I didn't have any... Yeah, the honour. Honor. Like, I didn't have any... I wasn't anything. There, there was no respect there. You're just someone that gets our paperwork done or does this and that and the other, but otherwise you're just nothing. So I could speak to you how I want, I could treat you how I want. And I suppose I was trying to pull back some confidence, some face, that it, it, here I am, this is me. I want to be recognised, and, and I wasn't recognised at all.
3: I think there's a lot for for people to be angry about.
2: This is Victoria Gath.
0: She's a psychotherapist who does work with Clean Break. You'll recall they're the theatre company I mentioned earlier that support women in prisons and the criminal justice system.
3: Um, the inequalities and injustices within society, so many people living in poverty, increase in homelessness, <laughs> ongoing systemic racism. There's a lot misogyny sexual violence, domestic abuse and these are all things that affect the the women that I work with and quite a large proportion of these women have grown up in the care system and people can feel rightly angry about what's happened to them and they have a lack of attachment figures and perhaps an experience of being humiliated or denigrated by, by professionals and people in authority.
0: Back to Leah. As it happens, she tells me that her revenge plot kind of fell through. But by this time, she was in a dark place. Anger, resentment, indignation, outrage, vexation, no impoverishment of emotional terms to describe her experience or its continued expression through crime. It wasn't long before Leah was in court,
2: so I got three years, nearly three years, two years and eleven months, something like that. So yeah,
0: will you tell me specifically what what it was you got those three years for?
2: Not specifically, no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no.
2: But I I was I was glad to go in. This, this second time, I needed to go in, I was in a rut, um, I, I, and maybe I recognised the anger that was just, 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 uh, just ta- taken over me, that I just didn't care, wasn't scared or, or, or all of, uh, yeah, wasn't scared or anything, I didn't even cry. I had already pleaded guilty, so I, I didn't go through a trial. Um, I, I, I just went for sentencing. And so when they gave the sentence, you kind of go numb. My mind just blanked out. I was just thinking, right, what things is there to do to the outside? Did I put everything in place? Um, have I got all my stuff with me? Oh, gosh, I haven't got that card with me. PIN number. Um, did I give my mum that PIN number? Um, um, what's going to happen to my flat? So I need to get my flat sorted. No, I did sort out my flat. So those things on was going through my head of did I put everything in place on the outside? So then I come out of my, my head and into the room and so I would go down and then you go into the bus and you can see on the outside but people can't see inside the bus so you're just going through the streets and you're just looking goodbye. I'm not literally waving goodbye, but you're kind of saying bye for a while. And then it was long, you have to wait in one gate and then the officers come off and you're just hearing the cling, cling, cling of the keys. They eventually come back into the van, you go through one gate, that shuts down, it goes darkness and then you go through another gate and then it lights up and I think we didn't get there till night time. We go through the, um, into the processing room and I suppose I was still, I was still numb. I was just following like, like I was in a herd of sheep. I was just following and just hear the echoing of instructions being said to me. we not really taking it in. Just doing what I had to do, like a robot. Um, and you have to go through sitting on a chair, um, so they could check whether you've got any drugs inside of you, the look in your mouth. You'll get given a blanket, um, sheets, pillow, and um, then you carry this um, to your cell. So you kind of like, you think of in the films, are you going to get beaten upon? Are they going to like do something in your sleep? And those things go through my head. And I didn't sleep much that night anyway, it was on and off. So I was very lonesome there. There was a few black people, but they like kept themselves to themselves, didn't want to speak out. Yes, sir, no, sir, let's humble yourself. I thought, flipping out. what's the matter with you lot? This is being done, that's being done, and you're just going to say, uh, 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 that's OK. They looked at me as this educated person and you, you, I, I, I don't fit in with them. I don't fit in like a street person. You come in across as an educated person, who the hell do you think you are, speaking out these things and so on.
3: I think women, particularly, are discouraged from being aware of their anger and for showing and expressing it.
0: This is Victoria Gath again.
3: And women showing anger are often dismissed as irrational, hormonal. And I think that's because angry women are seen as threatening. Because perhaps because we challenge or or seek to change something, uh, a more depressed or sad woman will perhaps stay in her place.
0: So there's clearly an important point to be made about gender in all of this, isn't there? In fact, when I initially approached Clean Break, it was because I was making an episode about the emotion of guilt. And I thought it would be good to speak with an ex offender, like Leah, because, you know, People who've literally been guilty of committing crimes might have some enlightening stuff to say about the feeling of guilt. So we were pressing ahead with that when one of the women working at the charity emailed me to say that it hardly disrupts societal narratives about women's experience to talk about guilt. Which is a fair point. It's well reported that women tend to feel more guilty than men about, well, you know, cancelling plans, eating what you want, not lending people things, only working your designated hours, what you do for work, knowing when your plate is full, wearing makeup, spending money, doing nothing, not being comfortable, other people's moods, not being up to date with the news, not having a hobby, the occasional use of plastic, not wanting to date someone, and having emotions. I got that list from an article in Elle magazine. I wouldn't ordinarily read it because I'm a man and for the same reason I've never felt guilty about any of those things ever except for you know when I have. Something less considered in a public domain is female anger which is how we've arrived here.
3: I don't think that 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 guilt and anger necessarily sit together in that Guilt is often almost, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's, it's, it's provoked in women. It, it's looked for in women as a way of preventing their anger from coming out. Um, guilt sort of suppresses rage, I think, and then it's not expressed. Cultivating the guilt is, is almost a way of putting a woman in her place.
0: And now to put the pieces of this jigsaw together. Clean Break, the theatre company, visited the prison where Leah was serving her sentence.
2: I wouldn't say a friend, but a person that I shared the the, uh, room with, because um, in that prison, it was dormitories. So one of the people that I was sharing with, I said, said, oh look, come with me, um, just to support me, kind of hold hand." And so the weekend was made up of um, workshops, talking about... um, Self-esteem, confidence, um, focus games we play, creative writing, um, um, putting feelings in the mix, and, and and talking about that, and and how it is for women um, being in the prison system, and then they were doing a play. So I went to them and said, "No, I've just come here just to give um, my friend support. I am not interested in whatever you're doing here because I thought." because it was in the prison, that the prison had something to do with it, and I didn't want anything to do with the officers of the prison. Just keep me out of it. And I thought that they were linked together. Then I found that they gave me the main part in the the play. What the F are you doing that for? Flipping hell. I said I'm not interested, and you're giving me the main part. I'm not interested. So they really had to work at me to, to get me involved and to get me around doing the main part and so on. And what a turnaround. They they were good, they come in every Monday, rehearsals were for six weeks. Every Monday I looked forward to it because they switched you off, even though they had to come in the prison, we'd be in the room. It was like you're in another world. You didn't feel like you was in a prison.
3: I think the thing is that anger is a greatly misunderstood. Perhaps it's the most commonly misunderstood emotion of all. And Clean Break does a wonderful job, I think, in the work that it does in enabling the members through theatre, through discussion groups, to understand emotions and using character and scenes and devised pieces to understand all these emotions.
0: In, In what way is anger misunderstood?
3: Well... I think anger is is natural, but it's often seen as bad. People fear it in others and in themselves, and well we, we they deny it and project it into others and and condemn it in others and themselves and I think the thing that's quite often misunderstood about anger is that I don't think it really exists in isolation um. Anger is a a necessary emotion, in a sense, in that it acts as a kind of signal that we're actually feeling something else, something very profound. Uh, We might be feeling hurt, violated, or not listened to, or that our needs are not being met in some way. So the, the anger, in a sense, is a signal to us to address something that 's not been processed or, or thought about it's a, it's a like a sign that we need to work out what's really going on for us and what we 're really feeling.
2: so when it come to the to the actual um, performance, the performance over two days um, and it was open to um, local residents around the outside and you are in a headspace where Because you're, you're, you're acting, you're another character. I felt like I was a different character, um, and I got lost in that world. So when they um, were going, I was so emotional, I was crying. I don't cry in front of people. Um, I, I, I suppose, because I've, I've had this hard kind of bitch kind of aura of me, I don't cry in public. I don't cry in front of people. That, that I do that behind closed doors. So for me to cry and I return my back um, to the door that officers or anybody could come in and just be facing um, the, the crew, the production crew. And I didn't want them to go. I didn't want to go. i feel really emotional now with it because I... I they, they put me on a, another... In another world, they brought out things that they, they made me feel good. They were positive. And um, I, I, I not had that for a long time and I didn't know, I, I didn't know how to be with it, but I, I liked it.
3: Anybody can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that's not within everybody's power and is not easy. And I I think that's the kind of nub of it, that actually recognising the anger and then trying to get behind it is what's important. Because there are, I think, a couple of standard ways that we manage anger by being nice and avoiding conflict at all costs. Or otherwise, we can go into that more attacking mode where we're trying to, to change everybody else and not looking at where the where the issue really lies. And the problem with both of those is that we actually end up um, losing our sense of self in both of those at ways of managing anger. And we don't actually convey our feelings. So the more we sustain a nice facade and don't confront our anger, the more we seek to keep relationships harmonious, the more actually we accumulate unconscious anger and rage that might then be directed at the wrong people. Do you see what I mean?
0: I do see what Victoria means. I also think that the complexity of Leah's feelings the way she holds on to anger, but also how it has come out in such harmful ways, is an illustration that clearly not all female anger can be reframed as emancipatory. For Leah, this is still a journey. And as ever with this podcast, when we start to scratch beneath the surface of an emotion, we find a maelstrom of conflicting forces
2: i i need to I need to talk my my anger out and to let go because i'm I'm holding on to things and and then society sees it that w- women are not supposed to be angry and when they see them blurting out start blurting out things they they frown upon um so i suppose i think i look at look at that um not wanting to be found upon wanted to please people wanting um to make them happy. But then I feel like I'm a bit forced because I, I'm not that gentle kind of person. And then I have to try and talk like this and so on because people get easily offended. And it's just like, this is not me.
0: One final question. Thinking about that, um, think about sort of what happened at work and you wanting to hurt those people and, and it not quite sort of working, but you wanting to see through, um, see through that plan. Is there, is there anything about that now that you regret?
2: I have no regret whatsoever in taking that path and th- trying to organize that thing um, i I just have regrets of them making me feel that way in wanting to do that kind of um thing and and going to that to that place um going to that dark place in in putting those thoughts in my head. Is that is that sounded like oh my gosh what a cold bitch you really don't feel anything whatsoever no f them lot they took a lot of my lot of me out of me and i was sucked dry so no i don't have any at all
0: okay I'll be honest with you, I did kind of expect Leah to say that she did have some regrets. But you know what? Maybe that's the storyteller in me trying to impose my own narrative to construct a neat little conclusion where there isn't one, or at least there isn't one yet. I'm grateful to Leah for sharing her truth. That's kind of what this programme's about, isn't it? And I think it's better to try and understand a person than it is to judge them. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to shout at my incessantly noisy neighbours. You've been listening to Why Do I Feel with me, Nathan Filer. See you next time.
3: You motherfuckers!